Thanks for tuning in today. Please visit NemoursWellBeyond.org to catch all our episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also use the voicemail feature on the website to leave a message with your episode ideas or questions. You just might be featured on an upcoming episode of the show. Without further ado, let's go. Well Beyond Medicine. Welcome to Well Beyond Medicine, the Nemours Children's Health Podcast. Each week, we'll explore anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. I'm your host, Carol Vassar, and now that you're here, let's go. Let's go, oh, oh, well beyond medicine. Dr. Charitha Reddy joins us for this episode. She is a clinical assistant professor of pediatric cardiology at Stanford Medicine in Palo Alto, California. We sat down to talk at the recent World Congress of Pediatric Cardiology and Cardiac Surgery about a wide range of topics regarding artificial intelligence in medicine and healthcare, including deep learning, which she'll explain more fully in relation to the echocardiogram. But first, how does one become so interested in AI and healthcare? Here's Dr. Charitha Reddy. I got interested, I think it, it happened somewhat incidentally in that I came into pediatric cardiology and was and, and then specialized in echo. And then I thought about how it was so challenging to do some research in in our patients because the patient populations are small. And so in order to really get important um, realizations from the data, you need to pool your results between different institutions. And when you try to do that, there's a ton of barriers and things like that. And also there are processes that make it a lot slower um, in order to figure those things out. And when I initially got interested, I really thought about, hey, could we figure out a way to pool our data amongst different hospitals and really put them together so that we can create data sets. As I started thinking about that, I thought about, hey, those data sets would actually be really helpful in developing algorithms to automate the processes that we already do on a daily basis. And that's when I really got interested in thinking about what's the actual AI work being done in Pediatric Echo, and I realized there wasn't that much being done in it because of these barriers that existed. And we'll get to a lot more into that momentarily. I do want to ask you about your latest research. It focuses on deep learning and AI in the echocardiogram? Yes. All right. Give us an overview of your presentation here at the World Congress. Sure. So I'm talking about deep learning in echocardiography, looking at the ultrasounds of infants and children and really evaluating both their structures, um, the diagnosis. And echo is really the first-line diagnostic tool for many pediatric cardiologists. It's what we use to really diagnose. Uh, We use it as a treatment management system. We use it as a way to evaluate whether things have changed, things like that. So it's part of our regular workflow all the time. And so you can imagine that when we do that, we're taking pictures of the heart. We have to do measurements. We have to make sure that the pictures are perfect. We have to do the same measurements each time to really look at the function of the the heart and things like that. And so what my research at least focused on, can we automate that process? So right now we have a you know, expert clinician, either a sonographer or a a physician who's taking those measurements and actually manually tracing the borders of the heart to assess whether it's squeezing correctly or not. And so 
In the adult world, they often tend to be ahead of us because the resources are bigger, they have higher patient populations, and so they're able to develop some of this research a lot faster than we are. And so on the adult side, they had developed something where they took the video clip of the heart and automated the process of assessing the function of the left ventricle. So I teamed up with the same group and said, hey, I want to recreate this in pediatrics, but there's a few key differences. One of the differences is that we use a couple different views in order to assess the function that are that are different than the adults, so can we use our pediatric-specific views? And the other is we have a huge range of sizes and ages. That's different than the adults. We have going anywhere from neonates, zero to one month, newborns all the way to 18 to 25-year-olds. And so I wanted to make sure that what we developed was functional for all of that. And so when we took our data set, we made sure to look at all the age ranges and sizes, and also the image qualities that you know we would get in a typical clinical work- workflow. We didn't pick the perf- most perfect images. We picked everything. And then we did take anatomically or structurally normal hearts, so we didn't use congenital heart disease, but we applied the algorithm just at baseline, the adult algorithm to pediatrics, and it didn't perform that well. And then we trained the model specifically on pediatric data only, and the model performed much, much better. And then we did a combination of the adult model and the pediatric model because the adult had so much more data, and that performed really well. And so we were able to then automate the assessment of left ventricular function, which is one of the big markers of kind of heart health in some of our pediatric patients. We were able to automate that, and that's what we developed with Econet Peds. So you were successful in replicating what had been done in the adult world across the spectrum of ages in the pediatric world from newborns on upward. Yes. Is this in use currently anywhere, or does this study need to be replicated before it moves forward? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it needs to be replicated. So we actually did release the data and the code as open source so that other people can kind of look at it and research on it, because ideally it would be great to really replicate it in other populations. When we did the study, we used a single institution's data, and we had about 4,400 kind of patients. So it's a large data set comparatively for pediatrics, but it would be great to validate it in other places in order to make sure that it's truly generalizable to the broadest populations and different demographics that are available across the United States and globally. So really moving forward, but still more to come. Yes. Let's talk about AI data sets. You've been saying pediatric sets are smaller. Tell us about that. Why is that? And does that cause an issue when you go to get data to create AI algorithms? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that generally when people think about developing AI algorithms, they mostly talk about gathering data in order to train the model. So you need to have a baseline data set that you use to allow the model to learn what are the kind of insights, what are the things that you're trying to measure or replicate or do that humans already do. So the same way that a human trainee who's going through medical school or fellowship is learning to look at thousands and thousands of echo images, a model needs to do the same thing. They can just do it faster and speedier than a human can. And so you want to be able to expose the model to huge amounts of data. On the adult side, it's relatively easy for a single institution to pull together, say, 10,000 echocardiograms. It's not that easy in the pediatric side to do that for a few different reasons. One is that if you think about congenital heart disease, the frequency or prevalence of congenital heart disease is low compared to the general population. And then 
each institution might only see some di a, a certain type of diagnosis, say, 500 times in five years or something along those lines. And so in order to really get a data set ever in the thousands range, you either need to pool data, go back multiple years, or figure out a way to, to really work with other institutions. There are some technologies that allow you to augment data sets, but I think to really train a robust model, you need to be able to figure out how to share amongst institutions or figure out a way to augment those data sets such that they exist for people to do research on. Is that what is happening? Is there this pooling of data from various pediatric institutions going on? And how do you kind of match up that data so that you're comparing apples and apples? Uh, yeah. So it's actually, it has been done in pediatrics, not necessarily for echocardiograms, but for other pediatric data. So the model exists to share data. And there's been great work that's been shown where multiple institutions pool their data for specific lesions like hypoplastic left heart syndrome and things like that. And they compare clinical outcomes. They compare hospital length of stays and things like that. And they've been able to, you know, come together to create kind of group recommendations for institutions to follow for these patient populations to theoretically say, hey, we're all across the country. We're all following these same guidelines. Is this helping our outcomes? And so there is a model to do that for pediatric echo can be a challenge because in addition to sharing the clinical reports and outcomes, you actually need to share the images. And the data storage and the ability to figure out where you're going to store that kind of high amounts of data is a bit of a challenge. In addition, while there have been some legal ways to figure out how to make sure we maintain patient privacy while sharing the data, it's easy to anonymize kind of written reports because there's maybe one field or two fields that can be used to identify a patient. Sometimes in the pediatric echocardiogram data, there's been challenges where it's either burned into the image itself or erasing the metadata can be a challenge. And so maintaining patient privacy has been a barrier to really creating large pediatric echo data sets that can be shared. Because right now, one of the ways that people do it is on a lesion-by-lesion lesion basis. And so teams come together and they say, hey, we want to evaluate, say, aortic stenosis. And then all of the hospitals come together, but they have to manually delete those images or manually delete the metadata. So it becomes a huge time sink. I want to know how that is being overcome. How is that barrier being overcome or, or what can be done to get around that yeah, and I still maintain privacy? Yeah, I think that's at the forefront of everybody's mind is maintaining privacy, particularly as children are kind of vulnerable populations. So to make sure that there's not really a way to re-identify or uh, make sure that we're supporting their privacy is a big challenge. And I think the legal and ethical barriers that we need to work on are really manifold, but I think there's a few different ways that people are working on it. The American Society of Echo has a pediatric module for their registry where they're working on trying to figure out how we can put together, at least starting with the reports, and then thinking about how we can put together the images as well. And there, I think the ways that we have to think about this as a group, are we willing to figure out the legal portions of it first? So how do we work with our legal teams at each of the hospitals to ensure that the data is as private as possible? How do we work with either industry partners or other people to make sure that we have great automated anonymization software to really get rid of that and make it as safe as possible? At the same time, how do we make sure that this is clinically valuable? If you delete all of the identifying data, 
which is important for patient privacy, how do you make sure that you link it back to the clinical outcomes to make it as relevant as possible when you're developing research? And so you need to figure out a system in which you somehow link each echocardiogram to a clinical outcome without necessarily compromising the patient data. So I think, we, I think we're still in the growing phase of figuring that out. Each part has probably been figured out in slightly different areas, or there are models on the adult side or on the pediatric side that we can kind of group from, but I think putting it together has, is still a work in progress. That sounds like it's a barrier, but not an insurmountable barrier. What other barriers are you coming up against to implementing AI on a large-scale basis? I think one of the other big barriers is really figuring out how do you get something from the bench to the bedside. So realistically, you can publish something, you can put it out, and it it often goes into a paper and then doesn't really go anywhere else. How do you get it into the clinical practice? I think right now, so much of what we do in Pediatric Echo is vendor-dependent. So we talk a lot about, you know, our ultrasound vendors or our um, echocardiogram reading systems, our PAC systems. They're all owned by a certain industry partner or industry company. So how do we make sure that when we develop something that either it's vendor neutral so that it can really be utilized amongst all of those vendors so that one hospital isn't left out because they use a different vendor or something like that. So how do we really um, make sure that what we're developing is vendor neutral? And then the other is how do we make sure that it doesn't feel like when you develop something that you're developing it in a silo, that it's your intellectual property, but that you want to share it with everybody else? I think that part in pediatrics, we have to figure out a way to do that. And I think we're open in pediatrics, sometimes more than other places, because we realize that the only way to move forward is is to share with kind of our other partners, because we want to really make the health of children better overall. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to work towards. That's the biggest barrier is getting it actually to the clinical bedside. What do you see as the potential for AI in healthcare in general and specifically in pediatric cardiology? I think there's a ton of areas in pediatric cardiology, just even outside of ECHO, that we can use AI for. But the way that I think about it is it can, I think AI has a few different roles. It can automate processes that we're already doing, so it can make us more efficient. Are there things that our, our sonographers or our EKG techs or people that are doing these roles and having to do some of these steps manually, can we take out some of those manual steps to make it more efficient? In the same vein, making it more efficient also can make it, the same process that makes it more efficient can also make it more reliable in that there's less kind of variability between each person doing it. And then I think the next thing is more complex is can we use AI to really identify novel patterns in things that we've never seen before? As we talked about earlier, as a human trainee, you can only get exposed to what you're exposed to at your hospital, for example. But you could theoretically envision that an AI algorithm could be exposed to data from tons of different places and can ingest that data within a year that might take a human 40 years to get. And so in that time, if you're able to expose a model to that much data, are they able to pick out patterns that a human might never be able to see? That's the real pull, I think, of using AI clinically, is that are there patterns that as a human, as a group of individuals, or as an individual that we were never able to see, but that a big data or an AI model could really identify that could then inform how we improve our treatment for our patients. We talked about concerns with regard to privacy, legal, and also with regard to compatibility amongst institutions. What other concerns do you have with regard to AI? 
Yeah, I think this is where a lot of people are like, are robots going to take over the world? Are we, you know, are we really going to, um, are they going to replace everything? One, I think we're really far away from that, especially in pediatric cardiology, it feels we're still in those early phases of figuring out how do we overcome the gathering of data? How do we make sure that we create data sets that are representative of the whole group of the all of the demographics that are represented? But I think the areas that we also need to focus on as we develop this infrastructure are the ethical standards. Who's going to be responsible that if an AI model does something that or I kind of identify something incorrectly or how do we make sure that we still have good human oversight so I think that's where people get concerned is are they gonna is AI gonna replace the job of a human physician but the truth is that looking at it right now when we train the models we're training them based on our perceptions and yes there may come a point where the models identify things that are new but it still needs human oversight to be able to put that to the actual patient. And there are some subtle things that we can't quantify to be able to train a model. So thinking about kind of the ethical standards of how do we make sure that models are truly generalizable to a broad population. We've already seen that some AI models, when they're developed in non-medical contexts, have shown kind of racial biases and things like that based on people who have trained, you know, just based on subconscious biases and from how they've been trained. So how do we make sure that when we train our models that we avoid those biases by being inclusive of broad broad swaths of population or demographics and make sure we're representing everybody? How do we make sure that we test those models everywhere? And then also make sure that we reach the highest ethical standards of, okay, if we're implementing this at the bedside, who's going to oversee that's correct or that we've had good success with this? Or how do we make sure we inform patients that, hey, this prediction was made by a model, it is 90% correct, but here's the 10%. Just the way that we consent anybody for a surgical procedure or anything else, how do we make sure we build in those same practices for our pediatric patients? Who's working on that? Are there organizations working on that? I, there are definitely organizations working on that. I wouldn't say that I would speak to who is and who isn't, but I think as we, as a kind of a whole group in pediatric cardiology, move towards, in every area, in electrophysiology or echocardiography, as we move towards it, we should all be thinking about that anytime we come up with a project, thinking about AI and machine learning and deep learning is, how are we making sure that the standards that we're setting forth are equal amongst all of our organizations? How are we making sure that there are standards for AI research in pediatric populations? And really, how do we make sure that we hold each other to those standards? And how do we test these models in different populations to make sure that it is working out for everybody? Is there anything I haven't asked you about AI, about pediatric cardiology, about deep learning, ECHO, that you'd like to share with us? I think one other area that I wanted to maybe bring up is that I think there are creative solutions to some of the the things that we talked about. Most of what I talked about is how we share data sets and bring the data together and train a model on that. But are there other options? In non-medical areas, they've talked a lot about kind of the concept of federated learning. So can you send a model out to institutions and um, instead of sharing the data centrally and really improve the model in a real-time fashion at the external locations and almost tweak the model to work for the population that it's um, evaluating in each area. And so the technology exists to do this, but it hasn't really been put into practice. And so thinking about other creative solutions to mitigate the challenges surrounding data privacy, 
and the legal barriers, but still figuring out creative solutions to allow AI to reach the broadest population possible. I understand as part of your data sharing, you are uh, actually partnering with Nemours Children's Health. Tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. We are um, kind of in the early phases of planning uh, a project in which we are testing out the concept of federated learning. And so one of the ways that we're attempting to do that is thinking about how do we again, share the algorithm with other institutions rather than expecting institutions to share their data with us to figure out first, does our model work at other places successfully the way it is? And two, can we actually almost in real time adjust the model at each of those institutions, including Nemours, to think about can we adjust the model at each of those institutions to work better for that population if it doesn't work at its base state and kind of thinking about what are those slight changes that we have to make to the model to improve the predictability of left ventricular function at those locations. What does all of this mean for the patient? I think the thing is, is that change is coming. I think we're excited to figure out ways to implement AI and machine learning for our patients and improve outcomes. That's the biggest. I think that would be the only reason to really implement AI is really to, we want to improve outcomes for our patients and find these patterns. So I think for the patient, things to look forward to are, are we going to be able to make some of these processes easier? Are we going to be able to provide care in rural locations that previously didn't have access to experts because we can implement this technology out there. Or for parents that are caring for really ill children at home, can we, you know, supply them with some technologies that allow them to assess their children at home with a relatively good accuracy, at least to flag, hey, this patient is sick, or hey, you need to call your doctor in a way that gives them a little bit more safety or a bigger safety net. So I think that's where we should really be looking forward to some of the technology helping patients. Well, the Medicine. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nemours Well Beyond Medicine podcast with me, Carol Vassar, and our guest, Dr. Charitha Reddy, Clinical Assistant Professor of Pediatric Cardiology at Stanford Medicine in Palo Alto, California. Have a question or comment about AI in healthcare and medicine? Leave us a voicemail at nemourswellbeyond.org. That's nemourswellbeyond.org. That's where you'll also find all of our previous podcast episodes, including every episode in the AI series, which we'll put in the show notes for this episode. Thanks to our production team, Che Parker, Cheryl Munn, and Allison Misich. Until next time, remember, we can change children's health for good, well beyond medicine. Let's go!